morning, Journey Church family. Are y'all ready to get into this word? Because you know I am, those of you who know me, amen? Because it's the word of God that changes us, amen? amen. It's the word of God that saves us, amen? amen? It's not the preacher, it's the word and the preacher. It's the word and the person, amen? So the hope is to want the Jesus that's inside of someone that you see because that word is in them and is supposed to be a reflection of who God is. Amen? Can we bless his word together? Father, in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the most powerful, the one who delivers, the one who saves, the one who changes and completely transforms. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal Jesus to all of us. I ask you to teach us and change us that we may be different, different in the way that we came in, that we would not leave here the same, that your word would resonate in our hearts and that we would respond to the word that you preach. We thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Today the talk is about what does God say about what you think? What does God say about what you think. There are many things that happen in our world today, and the world has a lot to say about what you should think. Would you agree? And the scripture is pretty clear about what God is about to do in our life. Have you ever thought a thought like, um, well, I'm good enough to be saved, like I'm a good person, I do good things. Like, I'm a doctor that heals children from cancer. That, I mean, that's not really me. That's somebody here. Amen? Like, I do nonprofit work. I do all these good things. So I'm good with God. Have you ever tried to have a, relation or a conversation with somebody about Jesus? And they're just like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm a good person. It's, I didn't live the life like you. I don't sin like that person. I'm good. Like, I'm a good person. Have you ever had thoughts like, God, I don't think you can change me. I don't think you can save my children because of what you see. I don't think my marriage can change. Do you think your marriage can change? See, what does God say about that? What does his word say about that? It says absolutely yes for those who will come to me. God says, I don't change marriage because I created marriage perfect, wonderful, and great. I change the people within the marriage who create the problems within marriage because marriage is not the problem. Amen. So if you want your marriage to change, God's word never changes. His thinking about you and his thinking about your marriage stays the same. And he thinks about you great thoughts that are bigger than us and higher than us. And he says, he promises, if you come to me, both of you, and you say, God, change me, he will. It's not if, it's not a thought, it's not what the world says. What about different things that the world is teaching our, our kids and the message that they hear through, through music and media and different things, our children all the way to adults? What does that make us think about? What do you think about yourself? What do you think about your finances? What is your opinion? It's not about our opinion, is it? 
It's about what God says about the situation. It's what God says about you. Teenagers, it's what God says about you. When God's word says, obey your mother and father, it's because they're giving you direction out of love. They're trying to course correct if they have to correct you. A rebellious spirit is a spirit that says, I don't want to be protected. I don't love you. I don't honor you. But God's word says, honor your mother and father. Because the instruction that mothers and fathers are supposed to be giving their children comes right out of here. Amen? So when it comes out of here, it's truth. It's what God says. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter what my political opinion is about certain topics, the hot topics. It doesn't matter how good of an argument that somebody presents on TV about a certain situation, about a certain law, about a certain way of lifestyle, about a certain way of this or a certain way of that. It's about what God says. Amen. Does it line up with what he says? Because if it doesn't, it's not truth. And I can't stand on it. It's right according to the word, or it's wrong according to the word. If God says it in his word, that settles it in our heart. Amen? Has God ever corrected you? Like, have you ever sat in church and felt uncomfortable? Especially when I'm up here, amen, right? <laughs> That's a good thing. See, because God never brings a bad thing to attention without the good news attached to it. Amen? God says, I'm calling you out of sin because the good news, which is the gospel, he says, I'm calling you out to bring you into greatness. I'm calling you out to save you. I'm calling you out of your way and your opinion because I have my very best in here for you. So be grateful when you're uncomfortable in church because that's called conviction. When you don't like it, we're not always supposed to be comforted in church. Or are we? Because conviction is also comfort. Because comfort means I can rely on his word. My opinion doesn't matter. What I think about, if somebody gives, if some of you get a diagnosis, what does God's word say about the diagnosis, right? What am I going to open up to? What am I going to feed my mind? How am I going to raise my children? Children, how are you going to respond to your parents? Amen? How are we going to live our lives? Because when I proclaim I'm a Christian and I respond to the gospel message, because when you hear the good news, it means you respond to the good news. Many people hear it and they believe it and they get a heart tug, but their response is not fulfilled. The response to the good news message is that we are all sinners. We need a Savior. He's going to change, transform us, fill us with purpose. Can somebody say amen? It means... When I say yes to Jesus and I receive salvation, it means I receive what God says is true, even though I don't know it, because now I have to learn it. But I'm saying yes to walking in your ways, not my ways anymore. I'm saying yes to believe and be conformed by your word and not my word and not society and not my ways any longer. I say yes to live according to the instruction manual for life. I say yes to obey this because you are a good, great, and awesome God. And that's where I find my greatness within the obedience of what you say. 
that I submit myself to your word. Can somebody say amen? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 talks about that for us. It talks about that. What does God's word say? Romans 12 and 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We're not supposed to believe what the world says unless it lines up with the word. We're not supposed to do what they do. We're not supposed to live the way they live. We're not supposed to embrace what they embrace as truth or what they rally for unless it lines up with the word of God and do it in love. Amen? See, there's his word, which is his way, which is his will, that's to be carried out through us. It's evidence that we belong to him. There's evidence that people are having the salvation experience. Amen? You will know them by their fruit, not just teachers. You will know me by my fruit, by what I'm teaching. And if it's the pure word of God, it's going to course correct. It's going to be like sandpaper on us. It's going to help us, amen, in Jesus' name. Because every time we hear the word, he's changing us more and more and more into his image and likeness. Amen. But let God, but let who? God transform you, completely change you into a new person by changing the way you, what? Think. By the way I think. So my thinking now changes by the word of God being poured into me. When I spend time with Jesus in the word, the Holy Spirit is at work. As soon as you sit down and you say, God, I'm shutting off the world and it's all about you, and you sit down and you go like this, the word is at work. Amen? There are a lot of opinions. Well, we, we can, you know, you, just, you can just, like, read the word once a month. or I think, you know, if you just read like a Tuesday, you know, I think if you do it this way, well, the Our Father says, give us this day our daily bread. Amen? And bread means the word of God to sustain us. Amen? It would be like living in a house and you wake up in the morning and you don't say hi to your husband or your spouse or your kids. Everybody just walks around and doesn't say anything to anybody. Is it awkward for you up here? Because I'm not saying anything to you. Are you awkward yet? <laughs> right? That's our relationship with God. Like, I wouldn't think of passing my husband in the morning and not saying good morning. Unless you're mad and you're having a silent treatment moment, then God's going <laughs> to deal with you. Amen. You got to stop that. Amen. It's not healthy. Silent treatment? No. Not going to preach on that today. I think it preached itself. Amen. So we don't conform to the world. We're, we're transformed by the word. So... When we are Christians and we say yes to Christ, I'm committed to this word. How can you commit and have a relationship if you're not in the word for yourself? Because when you read the word on your own in your home or whether it's on your device or whatever the case may be, it shows that, God, I want more of you. See, because the preacher can preach you on, teach you on Sunday, which it's designed to do. That's only one one reason that we come to church but to teach and preach the word of God but if you go home and you never open this up it shows me that you're still a baby because you rely on the pastor to spoon feed you every Sunday and that's all I get 
Well, that's all you're going to grow. Does that make sense? So a good way and some good direction to help you get started in studying the word, because I know for many people they don't understand. Well, Tracy, I read and I don't get it. This is why on the app at Journey Church, they put all the scriptures and they put the slides. There's a resource for you to take home. So you can take home the scriptures that are being preached and you can sit in your quiet time with God and you can meditate on those scriptures and let God talk to you and learn how to have a relationship, a conversation, communication with your creator. Amen? Because he's going to say things to you that, that you're not going to hear on Sunday. Because if all you hear is what he said to you on Sunday, you're dead the rest of the week. How can the Holy Spirit lead you? How can the Holy Spirit guide you? How can the Holy Spirit meet you right where you're at in every situation? Can somebody say amen? Amen. 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 Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. And yet, O Lord, o Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hands. So when you believe that as truth because the word says that, you say, God, I give you full permission. I give you full permission to completely surrender myself to you. I'm surrendering myself to you. Like, you have permission, all of me, to get into the crevices, to make me, facet me, and mold me. Because I'm agreeing that your word is true, even though it's hard for me, and even if I don't want to obey, and even if I come kicking and screaming, and even if it's impossible for my mind to believe, I choose to walk in faith and experience you in my walk of faith. It's called walking out my salvation. The things that I think that are impossible, because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Those times where you can't wrap your brain about a solution, you can't wrap your mind about, how is there going to be a solution? How could I ever break free? You ever had questions like that or been in a situation in your life, you're just like, I can't, I, I can't even think straight. Like I've lost my mind already. And then God told me, he's like, thank God, I've been waiting for you to lose your mind so you can get the mind of Christ and we can get going, amen? So go ahead, lose your mind, amen? Get rid of it. So Isaiah, will you give him full permission today and every day moving forward, amen? So he can make you and mold you and conform you into his image and likeness through this word and not be conformed to the world, amen? All right, point number three here. I love just his words. Why does every person need Jesus? And before we go into Romans chapter 7, which you're going to see, verse 14 through 25, I just want to build a small framework. Every person is born with sin. Now there's many of you, I don't know you, and it would be a privilege for me to know you. I don't know your story. I don't even know your name, but I know why you need Jesus. The person in the gas station ringing up my bill, I know why they need Jesus, and I don't know them, but I know why they need Jesus. We have to be careful with testimonies sometimes because sometimes when we testify, it's to give God glory of what he's done in our life. But sometimes people can think, well, I don't need Jesus because I wasn't a drug addict. You see, people kind of have a little bit of a disconnect, and sometimes people look at you and go, 
yeah, I'm so glad you found Jesus because, yeah, that was good for you because you were a hot mess. Like, you really need Jesus kind of person. You know the per- what I'm talking about, amen? And we start to compare. Well, I didn't live like this person, so why do I need Jesus? I never smoked a cigarette in my life. I waited till I got married to uh, for the marriage bed, and I trained my kids up right, and, and I'm good. But see, God's standard is not good. God's standard is perfection. God's standard is perfection. So the measure and the standard that we have to meet is perfection. I'm perfect all the time. My thinking, my speaking, my, my actions are perfect all the time. Anybody? I'm in the right house, amen. Because if you would raise your hand, I was going to say, well, you know, mm, yeah, that's, you need Jesus because that's a lie. <laughs> amen? I did. There's none perfect. His word said we all fall short. But what's the sh- word, what do we fall short from? The Bible says that, that sin, let me back up. Sin means to miss the mark. It's a very simple definition. What is the mark? If you don't know the mark, you don't know what you've missed. The mark is perfection. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. So when I'm preaching sin today, I have to teach you about the glory of God. Because in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God created us perfect. We started out perfect. He created us before you ever came out for your physical birth. You were not a surprise to God. In Jeremiah, he says, I knew you before you were ever in the womb. I created you in a spiritual sense. You are perfect. You are made in the image and likeness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are powerful. You are perfected. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But what happened? So we started at a perfected state. And then we were born, we were placed in the womb, which is in this a physical body of a woman, of a human being, which this is not perfect. Can sickness and disease get in here? Yes. Am I going to live in this body forever? No, praise God. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Woo. I get a celestial body, and you can look that up in the Bible, and it's a different kind of body. I'm just throwing out words here because I want you to have a hunger and thirst to go home and search on your own. We're going to be in a different place because after it's all said and done, we're going to end up in the perfected place once again in Christ Jesus, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he tells us how it is. He gives us the picture of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's perfection. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's great. Sin comes in because they disobey. See, temptation came in, but what did temptation test? The word that was in them. The word that was in them. And Satan twists the word. He's spiritually dead. He can't create. So he twists what God has for us. Amen? You either are going to believe what God says and obey, or you won't, and it doesn't turn out good. Amen? So it was the fall of man. So sin can reign in us all. And it does, right? Let me throw this one out to you. I wear glasses because I have to see. It's not a cosmetic thing. I know they're cute, but... (laughs) Do you know that this is sin? Why? Why? Because my eyes aren't what? 
perfect. They missed the mark. Now, am I doing some kind of crazy behavior or something that I'm in for my eyes to be? No. The Bible says it makes reference to even the rocks cry out for salvation. Stay with me. Are the rocks out committing adultery? Are the rocks out suffering with drug addiction? Are we starting to see sin on a greater scale? Sin means to miss the mark of perfection. Even nature is imperfect from pollution and being in a sinful, fallen world. The effects of sin are going to be upon us until Jesus returns or he calls us home. When Jesus calls us home or he returns, and I'm going to stop at that because I can't unpack that. Don't hit me with tribulation and all that. That's a different teaching. Amen? And the trumpets, and let's just stay on here. So, when Jesus returns, or he calls us home, some of us have loved ones that Jesus has already come home. They are experiencing, to a measure, and they'll get to experience more, the perfected place. Revelations. The book of Revelations, chapter 21. Am I right? Chapter 21 talks about then at that time, there will be no more sickness. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more disease. There will be no more violence. It's going to be over. The Bible says that your suffering will end. It doesn't say it will all end while you are physically alive. Does that make sense? He says, I know afflictions will come, injustices will come. It doesn't make sense. It's not even right. But I'll give you what you need to endure. It's called enduring faith, persevering faith. I know how to fight when it's not even right. I know how to fight when I'm not right. I surrender. God doesn't make babies that are born with cancer, folks. He doesn't say, oh, let me just get my perfect creation and sprinkle a little bit of cancer in them. That's the sin nature. Are you with me? I know it's quiet in here because we're learning some deep things. Are you with me? The perfected place. There are going to be sufferings that some of us have to go through. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why. I don't know why some get this or that. I don't. I don't. But this is the hope of glory. The hope of glory that lives in us. So when I'm teaching salvation, I'm teaching the hope of glory that comes alive inside of me because I'm going to run a race. There's purpose in the race that I run while I'm living here. Amen? There's a prize at the end. I keep my eyes on the prize. What's the prize? Some of us have dumbed it down to every promise is going to be mine and realized here on earth. No. It's not. But the promise is still yours. It's not a question of whether or not your prayer is going to be yes and amen. If it lines up with the word, it has to line up with the word. It is yes and amen. It's a question of timing. Will you get it here on earth or will you experience it on the other side of glory? You know why we preach truth like that? Because that preaches enduring faith, persevering faith. All of us have to endure here on this earth. Every single one of us. You're going to go through stuff, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be unfair, and it's going to be unjust. Everyone has to learn how to persevere. Every single one of us are going to come up against situations that are fearful, that are unfair, that are not right. But his words say, ooh, 
somebody. What does God say in the midst of the trial? I have a promise, and I'm going to hang on to it, and I'm going to trust you to give me what I need, and I know you're a good, great, and awesome God because everything is mine. At the end, it's all good. At the end, it's all perfected once again. But while I'm hurting, Holy Spirit, be the comforter. While I'm confused, cast down that confusion. It's not of you. Feed your word to me. Lead me and guide me. Set me straight. Set me right. Heal my heart in the midst of the pain. Amen. What does his word say? Because if we don't know what the prize is, if we don't know why we're running this race, you're going to get messed up in injustice. It'll tangle you up. Can we keep going on with his word? Amen. Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 25. So when we have an understanding of sin, that's why we all need Jesus. Nobody's disqualified because they're too good, and nobody's disqualified because you're too bad. There's only one sin that's unforgivable, and that's denying the Holy Spirit because Jesus, it's the Spirit of Jesus, and you're denying Jesus. That's it. The only one. There's no other thing listed in it. What does the word say? Well, do murderers go to heaven? Can murderers be saved? Well, I don't think that murderers be It doesn't matter what we think. What does the word say? What does the word say? It doesn't matter how I feel when I go into prison ministry. If I'm jacked up with my feelings and I can't stand on the word and show love because he said I shouldn't be in there. I need to get out. Because if I'm going in as judge and jury, my heart is wrong. Now I'm a little too self-righteous. Amen? Praise God. So the trouble is not with the law, his standard, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. 15, I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. There's a conscience in us, even if you don't belong to Jesus yet. And there's this, this thing in us, like, there's this thing, like, you know what's right and wrong, don't you? So you know that the standard is good. The law was written to identify sin, but it didn't have any power to get you out of that sin or save you. In the Old Testament. Amen? So I am not the one doing wrong. It is what living in me? Sin living in me. So sin that's not surrendered to Christ is alive in me. I don't like that thought. Do you? Like I'm missing the mark, but there are things that God gives us. He says, I'm going to teach you how to walk in power while you're here on this earth. Because I want to do a mighty work in you. Because I love you. You're never too old. You're never too broken. You're never too bitter for God to come in and do a mighty work. You surrender to Jesus just where you are. Verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. Here's the hot button right here. That is in my what? In my sinful nature. You notice there's a comma there. There's nothing good that lives in me. Oh, that is in my sinful nature. That's just a part of me. Because remember, God created us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God created us. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's trying to get you back in right relationship with him to get that condition lined up with him, and it will be perfected when we cross over. Amen? 
but we need power within us to overcome the sin that affects us while we are here. There's nothing good that lives in my sinful nature. God says, you're good, my sister. I made you. You are my creation. You're just lost. You're messed up. You just, I love you with an everlasting love. It's my goodness that's going to make you turn to me. It's, I'm going to show you how good I am, but you're going to have to trust me through the pain. You're going to have to trust me to do the work. You have to commit your ways to me, and I will take you. Nothing good in my sinful nature. There's kind of a separation because some people think, could God ever love me? I've done too much. I've fallen too far from his grace. That's a lie. God doesn't say that. God says, I sent my son Jesus to take it all to the cross, verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me. There's another what within me? Power. Power is the ability to get results. The ability to get results. So the power of sin has the ability to get results, and the power of God has the ability to get results. Amen? Power is the ability to get results. In Christ, it's supernatural results. The power, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. But if you look at and you go back, power within me that is at war with my mind. Romans 12 and 2, let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. The war is with my mind. That's why this settles the war that goes on in the mind. If you don't conquer the war that goes on in the mind, it's produced now. There's behaviors that come along with that. There's bad character that starts to develop inside of us unless we take care of it. Do you agree with his word? Do you agree with his word? Do you agree with his word? This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I can't com- overcome it if I wanted to. Can't get it out of me if I tried. I can't. I've tried everything. I can't. I can't do it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Where all power resides because the victory is ours even in the midst of the fight that we feel like we're not winning. The victory, I win. W-I-N. And sometimes we got to take our focus off the W-H-E-N. God win. God win. God win. God win. I win. I win. I win. Whether it's on this side or it's on that side, I win this fight. The fight is fixed. Amen. I win. You win. We win. That's why we need enduring faith. That's why when you hear the gospel, the good news, it carries weight. Does that make sense? It makes you want to change. It doesn't make you and force you into change. You experience the love of God, you want to change. What does the sinful nature do? It creates a stony heart. Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender responsive heart so they will obey my decrees and regulations then they will truly be my people and i will be their god what does god's word say about the heart the heart in jeremiah chapter 17 verse 10 says this the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it 
I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I love you with my whole heart and soul. You heard me preach it. I love you with my whole heart and soul that's desperately wicked. If it is not surrendered to God, let's find out what happens with the heart. Amen? So here we have this big giant cinder block. Let's take a look at what sin does. What does it do? It produces a stony heart. Amen? So when you're little, uh, the heart is about this big. It's about the size of a pebble. You're little because you haven't had a whole lot of life experience yet, right? So as you travel along life, hurts start to get in there. You don't know what to do with them. Lies get in there. You feel uncomfortable with yourself. You don't know what to do with these different stages. And have you ever heard of the word progression? It progresses. It grows unless it is arrested and dealt with. But what happens is this. Many people will come to Jesus, or you'll be at a place in your life if you haven't spent time in the Word, and you come in and you're like this. Heavy. The weight of my sin. Some of you are married to this. Stony heart, can't love right, can't live right, even if it wanted to. It can't love right. It can't, it's sin living in me that's progressed, that I haven't taken to the cross, that I haven't let God mold his way in me, mold his healing in me. The heart is desperately wicked until it is examined by God. Jeremiah 17.10 gives us the hope, the good news. I, the Lord, examine the heart. I, the Lord, examine the mind. Renew my mind. Change me, Lord. Change this. He says, I'm going to take out this stony, stubborn heart. But you got to do it my way. You have to do it my way. Kids, when you're rebellious to your parents, some of you, a lot of you got a lot of this going on in the house. <laughs> How long do you think I can do this? <laughs> I, must, I love you guys a lot. Amen? This thing is heavy. Some of you are walking around like this. Are you tired yet? Are you, are you ready to bring it to the cross? Your finances, I don't want to tithe. What does the word say? We tithe because we love God. And if you don't know and you haven't learned that, I tithe just because God said, because I don't want something growing in me like this. Because if he said it, it settles it because it's for my good and it's for his glory. Amen? It's a stony heart. Each one of you got a paper when you came in, and I should have made references to this. If you didn't get a handout that looks like this, would you raise your hands? The ushers will pass it around. I want you to go home with this. I want you to have it. <coughs> they're getting them right now, so they're coming up, and they're going to pass it around because we're going to close making reference to this. Amen? <coughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. When you say yes to Jesus, this is what you're doing. You're saying, God, I bring this to the cross. Yes, I heard the gospel. I'm responding. I surrender it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. They're coming. Keep your hands raised. Awesome. This is, this is what happens when you say yes to Jesus. You are a new creation. He's washed all your sins away. The Holy Spirit has sealed you, and you now belong to Christ. You are clothed and wrapped in his righteousness. Not because of what I've done, not because of what you've done, but because of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? I'm washed, I'm clean, I have a new start, I'm new. He is the potter and we are the? 
Got a lot of new Christians, 10 years old, still walking around like this. It doesn't have any form. If I took this to a professional potter, he already has an image in mind. He already knows what he wants to do with this, doesn't he? So, God says, now that you've surrendered to me, ooh, we can get to work now. Ooh, yeah. Let me get up on in there. Amen. So watch this. Sometimes God says, that's got to go. That's not meant for you. That's not of you. But I understand why that's there. Some of your friends, some of your associations, see, because I'm faceting you, I'm making you, I'm molding you. Amen. Let's look at our chart. Everybody have a paper. Galatians chapter 5. Look, this is a display of the Spirit, so you can look at it up here, but we're going to see exactly Galatians chapter 5 is going to describe the spirit nature of God, which is power, and the sin nature of God, which is power, the ability to get results. When we don't surrender to Christ and let him do his mighty work in the heart that is desperately wicked, I don't want it wicked anymore. I want it lined up with the word of God so I don't have a stubborn, stony heart, so I can love right, live right, and be everything that God's created me to be. Sinful nature, works of the flesh. It's what it does. Sexual immoralities, repetitive, loveless, cheapless sex, people sleeping around trying to look for love in all the wrong places. Sexual immoralities is anything that doesn't line up with the word of God. Any lifestyle, pornography, what you look at, what you live, what you're doing, anything. It doesn't line up because it produces this. It's not what I think about it. It's what God's word says about it. Amen? Mental and emotional garbage. Lustful pleasures, drunkenness, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Hostility means I can get a blip of peace, but I don't live in a condition or state of peace because peace is a person, it's Jesus. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, brutal temper, divisions, wild parties, inability to love or to be loved. Inability, I'm unable, I couldn't love if I wanted to. There's a difference between the desire to love, which everybody has, and the ability to love. Are you able? Because this heart is not able to love. It's stubborn, it's stony, it's non-responsive. Divided homes and divided lives. Evil, unhealthy thoughts and desires. Guilt, shame, regret, condemnation. God says, will you surrender that? Because if I stood here and I went like this, it's a picture of what? The cross. And if I was stronger, I'd be able to, <laughs> it's a picture of the cross. God is saying, repent, turn away from the wicked ways, the life without me. Turn away, because you're all born with sin. It manifests in different ways. You may not have, like many of these or any of this, but all of us are imperfect. He says, this is what I'm trying to do in you. I love you. I'm trying to mold love into you. My love, that's supernatural, above your own ability, above your desire and attraction and whatever. Joy, peace, patience, discipline, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, stability, self-control, promises, my inheritance, everything that I am, I'm giving you. 
everything that I am, I'm bringing you back to the way I made you, fearfully and wonderfully made. Forgiveness, healing, salvation. Because sometimes things in our lives happen like this, even as a saved person. And God says, I can work with this. Right? Close with this. Will you surrender your stony heart? Because the power of the Holy Spirit, the living water, the living word, you first have to get the word in you and give God full permission. You have to surrender. The second thing is, I can pour this living water on my way all day want to, all day long, all I want to. Can I change this? See, I can love Jesus and refuse to obey him and not do it his way, and I'm still living like this. What if I tore off a chunk of this and God started his mighty work, and for some of you it got too painful? What if I, I left it there and I didn't keep the living water running on this? If we came back tomorrow, what is this going to be? You can be saved but still acting like this. Some of you are trying to marry and unequally yoked and... I'm going to make you love me. Is it making sense now? But see, if the word is in me, watch when I pour this on. I mean, this is like, wow. Look at this now. With ease. And he can really get in there. And he can do his mighty work. He's saying, I'm trying to save you. I want you to have a heart that can love right and live right because I love you beyond anything you can ever imagine. You can't wrap your mind around my love or my greatness. It's greater than any evil, any hurt, any habit, any hang-up, anything that's done here. Jesus conquered at the cross. Are you ready to take yourself to the cross? Are you ready to take your marriage, your finances, kids? Are you ready to come? Are you ready? Because this is what he wants to do in you. And this is what he wants to do through you. And if you're married or living in a household that's like this, trust this and pray for this. Are you ready? Are you ready to surrender it all to Christ? In Jesus' name.